copywriters do they tell a story they tell the story of a business you know who does that right like you know you don't quit without having something to fall back on you you've got it you go just go for it the worst thing that will happen is someone will slam the phone down <laughs> Today on the Engaging Marketeer podcast, I am joined by copywriter Vishmar Mystery from mysteryofwords.com. Vishmar is a copywriter based in Brisbane in Australia, but she's from the UK and for some reason decided moving to Australia was a much better way of life. I don't know why she could possibly have done that, but Oh, it's been snow in the last few days, so I know exactly why she's done that. Um, so I'm going to be asking Vishmar how she got started, how she made the transition from marketing within the fertility clinic world into becoming a freelance copywriter, how she got her clients, how she built her business, and how she approaches working with brands, working with businesses to get their message across for their target clients. Um, so you're you, you do copywriting for, for businesses. What made you want to get into the, the written word? Because there's, there's a certain kind of person that loves the English language and loves to get into the written word. What, what, what fascinated you about that? Uh, I think it's always been inside me. I've always loved words. Uh, from a young age, you know, it's always been books, reading a variety of content uh, growing up. Uh, I guess being born and brought up in the UK, you know, you're around the Bronte sisters and, and all the English literature is part of your life. Um, and I always found that quite fascinating and loved reading and the language and the words and, you know, just the way they were woven in and they can just create this whole different world. Um, and then I guess over time, it just, it was something where words came so naturally to me that even in my marketing career, I became the go-to person for writing copy or proofreading something or editing a document um which then i guess at some point you know you have a light bulb moment and go okay well this is this is number one it hmm. comes naturally to me number two i enjoy it and number three people clearly you know value that part of what i offer so maybe it's something i need to um you know take on seriously um, but it's always been something I enjoy. I just yeah. love words. Um, so, so yeah. it was never something that you set out to say, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a copywriter. That's not what you wanted to do when you were first starting. Not at all. Not at all. Um, it was a fluke. I'll be honest, it was a fluke. Um, so the way it started was um, during COVID. Uh, it was sort of like a light bulb moment. I was spending a day doing my usual proofreading, copy writing, copy. So as a market, I was obviously in marketing marketing professional but that was a big part of my role because you know it was just a skill that I had in the in the team um so I was doing that and then had a light bulb moment during the day and it's like okay you know what I'm gonna try and do this like you know what is copywriting so I googled and you know number one had no idea what it entailed at the time that copywriting was a thing I mean that people would actually do this professionally and then I set up a website with the intent of it just being a side hustle. Well, you know, extra pocket money will go from there. <laughs> um, and then I guess circumstances sort of led to me quitting my marketing job. Um, and at that point, I didn't have anything to fall back on. Um, so people would have said, you know, who does that, right? Like, you know, you don't quit without having something to fall back on, have another job to go into. But it was circumstantial and it was just the right time. I had to do what I had to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I was just 
you know, I wasn't going to be one of those that relies on my husband. So I was like, <laughs> right, I'm going to give this a go. I've set up a website. Let's start calling companies and uh, see if anything comes from it. And then that's it. I think, you know, how they say sometimes if the universe has got a plan, mm-hmm. it throws you on the path and then the steps just sort of appear themselves. Yeah, it's always a big step when you you, you quit the the luxury, the comfort blanket of full-time employment to go into business for yourself, especially when you don't have a business that you're going into. You're completely starting from scratch. What what, what was that feeling like to do that? Um, It was both nerve-wracking and exciting at the same time. I think it was definitely something that I wanted to pursue. Um, And, you know, when you just have that gut feeling, um, so in that sense, I was really excited. Um, I guess it was just more of a, let's see where this goes initially. Um, and then when I started, you know, you do with the calls, the pitches, the challenges, um, having been, well, being an introvert myself, I mean, it doesn't come as naturally that confidence of picking up and just starting a conversation. Mm. Um, so there were those challenges. Um, and then, you know, you have your, like you said, when you've got your nine to five, you've got that sort of that comfort zone. You know what's happening, where your next paycheck's going to come from, and it, you know you're you're in the flow of things. Um, but with this, it was yeah, it was challenging. It was um, exciting. It was nerve wracking. It was like I don't know where this is going to go. Worst case scenario, I'll just go back into a job. Doesn't mm. matter. Um, Do you know- what, what what you said there, I think, is, is one of the things that frightens a lot of people about starting a business. It's not so much the the leaving the comfort blanket of the job. It's the fact that they've got to get clients for themselves. They've got to phone people up and yeah. essentially pitch themselves to those people. And if they don't do that, then they don't get work. As a self-confessed introvert, how did you get over that? Um. You know what? It's just believing in yourself and believing in what you have to offer and your skills that you have. Um, I think a lot of self self belief is very important. Um, and you can't sort of you you're gonna get a lot of knockbacks. I mean, you know, it wasn't easy free flowing for me in the sense of oh, I called and I got the job. It was more you call people, hang up. They you know like oh, I had a number of phones just put down on me. But you just keep going if you you've just got to keep believing in what you do and have faith that you know something is going to happen if, if you're pursuing something pursue it wholeheartedly otherwise there's no point even bothering to do so and and how did you manage to to get clients to get business what what was the process you went through what what techniques actually worked for you um well so i um as we spoke about kate toon before i joined the clever copywriting school job board um, so that was uh, number one. There's a lot of training courses on there and so on. So, you know, just making sure that my skills are up to date um, and that I'm on the right path. I'm not just somebody who's coming and going, I know how to write, but does that then translate into a professional career and mm. in terms of what it should offer? And then the job board is awesome that on there. So a lot of the jobs, it was you know, the the companies posted on there and I would just call or email. My first port of call was always phone. Um, I think it just gives that personable relationship and humanizes the brand behind the voice sort of thing. Um, sorry, the voice behind the brand. Mm. Um, and yeah, and it, and it was just that. I mean, all I did mostly was phone calls every single day 
um, before emailing anyone. And I think that was definitely a strategy that I'd suggest to anyone else that was going in is pick up that phone. Um, mm. It makes a world of difference. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's a lot of people out there probably listening to this, myself included, who have sort of a an aversion or physical reaction to the phone. It's just not something I ever want to touch, I ever want to use. I don't like picking it up and calling people. There's no way in the world I could ever cold call someone. I just, I just couldn't do it because my skin's too thin. I can't take that rejection. How do you do that? Oh, trust me, I, I used to sit there with a big tight knot in my stomach when I pick up the phone, you know, sweaty palms and all. Um, but you've just got to, yeah, like, I think after you've done 100 phone calls, you kind of get into the flow of it. And, you know, you just know that either this is going to go somewhere or somebody's going to put the phone down on you. Mm. Um, and sometimes, like, if they did instantly put the phone down, I'd drop an email and just say, hey, FYI, this is the information that I've, you know, you know, saw saw your ad on the job board and just want to have a conversation. Um, and sometimes that leads to something else. But I think it's, it's um, yeah, it's biting that bullet. And like I said, it might take 100 phone calls before you start to feel calm in yourself. And I was I was always like, I still am. I mean, I'll pick up a phone and I'll still be a bit nervous. Um, mm. There's no denying it. But um, it's, um, yeah. Do you, do you have any, I mean, have you had any training in, in calling people or do you use any sort of scripting or do you just completely free flow in it when you're you're calling potential clients? Um, so, no, I've not had any training to answer your first question. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, initially I kind of had a bit of a, a script, um, which was, it kind of followed a, a template that I got from K2, which was great to, mm-hmm. like, as a starting conversation, like, you know, how to start the conversation, an icebreaker. Um, and then it's just free-flowing. Um, and now my conversations are very much free-flowing. Um, it's engaging with the person, and then we just take it from there. Um, so, and to be honest, for me, it's more understanding them and what they want. It's not about me when I call them. I don't, I don't start pitching myself straight away. It's like, mm. you know, it's more yeah. about them. Yeah, what what you've said there that that rings so true. There's there's so many people that when they they try because we're all essentially selling at some point, often more the time. There's so many people that just go straight in and go, "Hi, this is me. This is what I do. I'm brilliant. I've got this many years' experience. Look how fantastic I am." When it just doesn't work, as you say, it's about engaging with the person and finding out about them, what they want, what their problems are. You get a lot of this on LinkedIn. You probably get it as well, where people will send you a LinkedIn request and they'll send you a pitch for their services with a big long list of all the things they've done. Not once have they asked about you. Yeah, absolutely just, true. Yeah, which I presume also comes across into the copy that you create for clients as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, it's understanding. I'm there for like I, I'm there for them. I'm there for them in the sense of. You know, um, it whatever I do is for them, and it like from ground up, the foundation is knowing the business inside out and the people behind the business um, to translate that voice to come through in the copy that then gets written and engage like making it so that it's engaging enough for the, you know, for their audience. I mean, 
you know, they've got to put every every business has a different audience that they're talking to. You're not talking to everyone. You're not talking to everyone across yeah. the whole world. You're talking to, you know, engineers are going to talk to that engineering crowd. You've got your recruiters who are going to talk to like candidates and hiring managers um, and so on. So the language is very different. And again, I mean, you have a recruiter in, say, uh, medtech, and then you have a recruiter who's in, who deals with legal clients. The language and the audience can be very different. Um, and what engages with them is going to be very different as well. So absolutely, I think number one, the foundation has to be knowing your client and their business inside out before. And, you know, it's asking questions while I'm writing as well to say, mm. is this going in the right direction for you? Mm. Um, when I, when I, I'm sure it was Kate who I spoke to because obviously Kate does a lot of this as well. Um, mm. And we, we were talking about objections that potential clients give you when you're, you're talking to them. And one of the objections that we, we talked about was when a potential client says to you, how can you possibly know about my industry? You're not in my industry. What Have you had that? I'm sure you have. And, and what's the response you give to that? Um, look, I, I guess that, that that's where I kind of say that's where we have the briefing session. Um, because I want you to tell me so that I can learn from you. Um, and you teach me. Teach me what your industry is about, what your knowledge is. Impart that on me. And I'm here to learn. And then I will take that learning and put that forward into the copy. Mm. And if you're happy with it, awesome. If not, then maybe, you know, you're better off with somebody else who has worked within your industry more so and has more of that knowledge that they can share with, like, you know, you, you can share with them. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, one, one thing I've learned along the way is you're going to get objections. You're going to, you, you're going to know um, those that are open to sort of learning from you as well and understanding that you've got your skills and that's why you're there to help them. Mm. Um, and at the same time, you're going to get clients who are obviously going to say, no, I know better. So, but that, I mean, it's obviously then it's from my end, it's also understanding that they're right. They know their industry better than I do. I, you know, I'm a, mm. I'm a writer, I'm coming in to learn. And then from what learnings I have is what I then create. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, if, if if the marriage isn't perfect, then it's time to move on. <laughs> yeah, there's always there's always some that know better, isn't there? There's always some that know better. Um, but I found with a lot of businesses, they they know their industry inside out, of course, because it's what they do, it's what they've done for, in many cases, decades. But what they don't know is how to convey that to people who don't know their industry, yeah. which are their target and, clients. Yeah, and. It comes down to trust as well. I think trust is a big foundation of uh, the client, the client and copywriter relationship. Mm. In the sense that um, the client knows the business inside out, but it's them trusting the copywriter to then, like you say, convey that message in mm. the perfect way to their audience. And that's what we're there for. Um, and so, yeah, I think you know, trust is a big thing. And if you can't, then just keep it in-house and do the work yourself. <laughs> yeah, do the work yourself, <laughs> which, as we know, a lot of the time they, they won't be able to because um, I've been in web design for a long time, since the 90s, and any web designer listening to this will know the biggest issue with creating a website is getting the content out of the client. 
because you'll do the design, you do the build, everything's okay. You say, right, we just need the content now. We just need the text to put in the website and we're ready to go live. Oh, I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it. They never want to do it because they just hate writing content about their own business. They'd rather do anything else, which is where you, you come in and, and copywriters like you because you take away that headache from them, which they just do not want to do. And one thing I've learned is when you're trying to write copy for your own business, it's hard. Like, mm. I found it hard to even write copy for my own website. Um, and I think you're right, like, I think with web developers, that content needs to come because, and having worked with web developers as a marketer, um, one of the things was which I used to focus on was getting that copy to them so that they had the menu options and they, they could work out in, within the design where the menu is going to sit, where the copy is going to sit, because it's all fine and well designing something beautiful graphically, but if there's no text to go on it, where is the menu going to go? You know, what are the call to actions going to be? As a web developer, you won't even know where to put like the menu options on mm. the actual website because you won't know what the information is going to be to go with. Um, yeah. So definitely, yeah, like that, that was definitely number one priority as a marketer. And that was one thing I learned working with web developers like yourself very closely um, and having that opportunity as well to um, having been involved in writing copy. Um, so, yeah, mm -hmm. like I think they go hand in hand. I think if you're going to start a website project, put your content as number one and yeah. then that translates across into your design. Uh, absolutely because it, it it saves so much time and money as well because if a lot of clients a lot of business owners when they get shown a web design they might like the web design but if the content in the web design is latin lorem ipsum placeholder text or is text from their old website that they know is outdated it'll jar in their head and that's oh that's not my text i don't like that and they won't know why they don't like it they just won't like it Whereas if it's got the new copy that is about what their new brand is about, what their new website is about, it's going to marry up and they'll like it and you'll get approval a lot quicker. So yeah, big tip for web designers out there, get in touch with a copywriter, get them on board from the start. You'll find that you'll get your web designs approved a lot quicker. They'll go live a lot quicker. You'll get paid a lot quicker. Absolutely. And like the copy also translates into the imagery and so on that you use on mm. the website. I mean... If you've got image, you've got imagery on there, and then you've got text that does not even translate to. There's no connection, and they don't translate with one another. It doesn't make sense, and that's where your copy comes as number one because what you write and the story that you tell then translates into the visuals that you mm. want to convey. Um, it's almost like thinking of you know when you're reading a book and the imaginations and the images in your head. Um, that generate they come from the words that you read and then you get the imagination and the pictures and likewise when you're developing a website you're telling a story of a brand and that and then that creates the visuals from there and you can get this cohesive beautiful brand story that works in every way mm. um but yeah absolutely get your copy one of the things you said right at the start was when you were first moving out from your marketing job into copywriting and, and just before that you googled what is copywriting so there is a question for you what is copywriting what does it mean to you and how do you portray it to clients 
question. It was your. It was your question. It was your question. <laughs> when you do it every day, after a while, you kind of go, oh, "Okay, what is copywriting?" Because I think, it, look, there'll be so many different answers for what is copywriting. I mean, you'll have your basics of copywriting, is you know, but, uh, words that are written for websites or blogs and social media and so on, um, and that's what a copywriter does. And but I think, from my perspective, it's telling a story. Um, you're 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 telling a story to someone, um, and you know, it, it it's your brand story, it's your business story, and that's what copywriters do. They tell a story. They tell the story of a business and its services. Um, to put it in simple terms, <laughs> just creative storytelling. Okay, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it, it is about telling a story. Yeah, because people buy into stories. Because the, the, there's that old adage, isn't it, that facts tell, stories sell. If you yes. want to sell, tell a story. Well, tell a story of the brand that people can associate with, that they can buy into, that they'll remember. Because yes. if, you, if you stand up and give a sales presentation and just talk about a load of facts about your company, no one's going to remember it. No. You've got to be creative about what you write. It's it, Like I said, I mean, you, you pick up a book, and if it's absolute gibberish and boring with long mm. words and you just go, I cannot read this, you're going to put it down and you're not going to go back to it. Whereas if you've got a book where it's easy words, something that's going to even make you giggle, um, you know, with puns and all, and, you know, you, you're going to enjoy it and then you're probably going to suggest it to the next person um, because it, whilst it might not be something groundbreaking, you've enjoyed it and mm. you think somebody else will as well. So, yeah, you've got to be very creative with your storytelling. And I think or more so also in today's day and age, I mean, you know, we're all, it's not just about your uh, print material anymore. We're on webs, we're on socials. So the language is also changing as we go. And that, people want something that's going to make that's, them laugh. That's an interesting point there. The difference between print and digital. How have you found that in terms of producing content? Um, But, like, I think whilst they both sort of marry in some way because you've got to be consistent in your language and tone and so on that you use across the cop um across all platforms um there's def definitely a big difference in the sense of um number one there's more of a digital shift so print is definitely less in terms of what people are requesting mm. uh number two when it does come to uh the copy they're both, they're both condensed in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, your website is a lot more condensed. People just want short, snappy content um, that's readable. And that, again, is also like almost your website is becoming your print brochure in a way. So if we are creating any print brochure, it's almost like an e-document, e which is a really quick snapshot Um so it's no longer that long print trifold or, you know, big booklet. You're getting that is now translating into an e-document um, that's web, you know, easy on the web. It's easy to read on mobile and you can just download a PDF quickly. And it's, again, short copy. It's quick and easy to read. And um, I think with the web as well, it's become very, I mean, your website and your social media almost have very, much of a the blending in a way yeah. um i think because 
um, a lot of us do go on just social media to look for content nowadays. So, you know, if, if I want to find out about a company, I'm going to go to their social media first before I even go on their website as a number, you know, a step one. So it's making sure that there's, yeah, like I think the web and the social have definitely taken over in a lot of ways. Um, mm. yeah. And what one thing I wanted to ask, because when you when, when you first started yeah. out, what was the, the first big client you got or the first exciting client that made you go, yeah, this this is why I'm doing it. This is why I wanted to do it. Ah, oh, the first? I think, look, I think all of them. I oh, that's, that's I the politician's out, answer. All, all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, each time you win and you uh, get a client, you do feel good, you know. Um, hmm. I think getting my first client is, um, was for me really really exciting i'll be honest it was very exciting like oh wow you know okay this is happening and you know um it made it more real mm. um so that for me was very very exciting um and i think going further along the lines um one of the biggest clients that i've worked with that really got me excited was a doctor from yale university wow. and um yeah He's a Gaucher disease specialist and um, they do a lot of research. He's done a lot of pioneering research um, on on Gaucher disease and that's developed into treatments and so on. And getting that project for me was beyond exciting. I mean, Yale mm-hmm. University, you know. <laughs> and um, so it, it was it was exciting. And and to be honest, it was a big project because I got to dive into the creative side of styling the brand from scratch uh in terms of sort of like you know the taking in the psychology of fonts and colors and images and bringing all of that together developing a website and then also writing the copy to go with um and so that for me was like yeah, a huge win um and yeah if i'm going to be a politician i'll say each one is just as exciting as the next yeah so you, you you've got a medical background haven't you because you worked for was it a fertility clinic Yes, yeah, so um, surprisingly, my marketing career has always taken me into that medical arena, which is great because I've always loved science, um, having wanted to go into science at one point in my life, but being mathematically weak, it was something that was recommended not to do. Um, <laughs> but then thankfully, my marketing career has sort of taken me that way. So while I was in the UK, I started at 3M in their surgical um surgical gowns and drapes department so the surgical drapes that they use when they're operating um and then yeah after coming here there were a couple of other jobs in between and then i was at a fertility clinic for seven and a half years yeah (laughs) because medical content obviously is very specialist there's a lot of copywriters stay away from things that are that specialist because you need to have a lot of knowledge about it and you need to be very, quite sensitive with a lot of medical content that you're writing. How, is, is this a niche that you've carved for yourself? Is it something that you, you do a lot of and want to do more of? Um, I think, it, like I said, I think it, it's become a niche by fluke. It's just happened for me that my career has taken me towards that way. Um, and yes, I do have a couple of, you know, medical uh, clients along the way um, in saying that I've not niched myself in copywriting because I see myself as 
a lifelong learner. I like mm. learning about anything and everything. And there's a lot to learn. And I think that's where my copywriting helps is I get to learn about different industries and, you know, different backgrounds and everything. So, yeah, um, look, I love medical and I'm not saying I wouldn't take any more of that on. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, you know, there are certain guidelines and so on that you've got to be um, absolutely aware of when you're writing this uh, content. Um, and like you said, sen- sen- being sensitive to what you're putting out there as well. Um yeah, no, I, I do love medical and I'd love to, you know, dive in further as well into the different fields that are out there. I think neuroscience is one I'm kind of looking at at the moment. <laughs> hmm. So what, what what field of science was it that you were interested in getting into before somebody told you your maths isn't strong enough? <laughs> um, initially, it was sort of like that sort of uh, heart surgery and wow. brain surgery sort of stuff. So you were aiming high um, then, you were aiming for the top. Yeah, I loved biology. I absolutely loved biology. And I still do. I've got like, you know, if you look in my library, I've got a couple of science books and I'm always reading, you know, anything new. Um, I think my latest fascination is definitely neuroscience um, and genetics. Um, and um, yeah, just uh, I, I find that quite fascinating and how, you know, we're all kind of, I read a book recently called um, The Selfish Gene. And that was very interesting. There's there's a there's a point in there where he he discusses how we're, we're in simple layman terms that each human being is almost like a photocopy. And then you know when you photocopy paper, mm. uh, words at some point they start smudging or something happens, and that's kind of how human DNA also replicates in the sense of where mutations start to happen. Um, and yeah, how we're always still mutate. Our genes are constantly mutating, even while we're having this conversation. <laughs> so, well, that's a lovely yeah. thought. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Oh right. Um, you you mentioned how you you studied in the UK and you worked for three M in the UK, and then then you just casually moved to Australia. What what prompted that? Um, so I was born and brought up in the UK, and um, after I got married, my husband happened to just apply for a job here, and overnight it just happened. He just Did he tell you before he applied for that? Oh yeah. Yeah, right. Just I think we discussed when we'd met originally, oh. and you know. Right. So it was on the cards, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the cards, possibly, and hey, you know, it was meant to be, so it's meant to be. And, and what what what's the main sort of culture differences between UK and Australia? Um. I guess people are a lot more laid back here. Um, I'd say, well, Brisbane-wise, I would say everyone's a lot more laid back. Um, and um, I think in Brisbane, they are a lot more friendlier. Um, I think UK has definitely got that history and multiculturalism a lot more, uh, which is growing here. Uh, yeah, and um, I haven't been back in a very long time, so I can't tell whether things have changed. <laughs> well, let me just look out the window for you. You'll be amazed to learn it's sunny. Uh, it's what still, are the temperatures though? Oh, it's bloody cold. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, well, you wouldn't want to go out. Yeah, it's all right if you're looking through the window. It looks all right, but do not go out in it. No. This evening, I heard it was snowing. Uh, was it last week or the week before? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Quite bad. Yeah. Yeah, we had um, family sending lots of WhatsApp photos of snow and just yeah. I was like, uh, it's thirty-five degrees here. 
Yeah. And you're like, I've been meaning to go back to the UK. No, actually, no. No, I won't bother. <laughs> so with, with, with copywriting, because we, we, we do copywriting for some Australian businesses, mm-hmm. and we do stuff for UK and Canada and, and the United States, there's obviously a lot of different spelling variations in those different countries. But there's also different types of vernacular, the way phrases are used. How do you cope with different clients in different areas with the way people speak and the way people communicate? Um, I think it's, like you said, it's being aware of the different, number one, it's the different sort of grammar that's used uh, and spellings that are used across each region. Uh, sorry, each country. So thankfully, British and English, uh, Australian is the same. We use the S instead of the Z, say, if you're talking about specialised in certain words like that. Mm. But then you've got the American where the Z is is um, used more so in the words. And <sighs> worst case scenario, Google, which one is it? If you're <laughs> questioning, like, you know, estrogen, is it an E or is it O and E? And, you know, there's a certain things like that where sometimes you just have to get a second you know a second head in to go okay well which one are we looking at so that's one way of looking at it um and also just having my conversations with clients uh picking up on their language um during the briefing session as well the do's and don'ts that they do mention i always say to them please let me know if there's certain types of language you don't want me to use or if there is certain terminology that you want included in the copy that we are going to put together because that will then help me you know bring in that language as well um and it's also a lot of reading i mean you know reading content from different countries so that you're capturing that sort of the language that's coming from there um and um you know and that's also like not just online it's reading how american authors write or how british authors write a book or an Australian author will write a book, um, an Indian author will write a book, because they'll, they'll all put in all their different, like you said, terminology and mm. little quirks here and there. So absolutely getting all of that. Um, and also listening to podcasts. I find like you can learn so much from podcasts, you know, like the language and the tone and the accents. And, um, yeah, just we all put in our little, you know, gimmicks here and there, don't like, you know. As Brits, we say things in a particular way, and yeah. um, as Aussies, they, they, there's a lot of slang as Aussies. So, mm. yeah. No podcast is a good shout. Actually, it's, it's something that hadn't occurred to me because you're you're listening to people from those areas speaking in a natural, often non-edited way. Because if you watch television, it's heavily edited. You know, if you, if you watch the news in the UK, you're you're listening to BBC English. People do not speak like that. You know, it, it's not normal. But podcasts is normal people, by and large, from the areas and where they are, and they're talking in a normal way. So it's a good way to pick up the sort of absolutely. dialect, the link, the lingo. It is, yeah, absolutely, because it's conversational. I mean, it's the same as, I mean, it's not same same, but it's it's similar to like when we moved to Australia. Um, you know, we slowly found that there were over the years we kind of picked up certain ways of saying certain words instead of data that you say data. Um, but it's the same thing instead of memo, they say Nemo, and they say Nemo, really? 
Wow. That's what I heard from my husband one day because um, he got asked at work initially, I think this was within his first year, um, oh, you know, do you have a meme? Did you get the memo? And he's like, The what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a fish from a Disney movie? What what, what the So yeah, it's it's um it's it's like I said, your podcasts at the moment are awesome. You do pick up on a lot of stuff. So mm. yeah. One one thing you mentioned um a few moments ago was when you were talking about creating content, you looked at the psychology of the colours and the fonts. I've not known copywriters go into that level before because that seems to be normally outside of copywriting what what did you mean by that and and how does that impact um so it it came about when i was working as a marketer and working with web developers and i got so intrigued by the way we use fonts and colors like how we pick them Mm. um so i went and did further reading and research uh and studied the science behind brand colors and that color psychology wheel um, and how they create different emotions within each one of us. Um, so hence why I like to bring, like with some clients, they, they sort of ask me to style their brands for them. Um, and it's working, it's diving deep. Like it, it's number one, learning everything about this, the organization itself, their story. And then translating that through the colors and the psychology of colors um, to bring those colors alive on their website and social media and and so on. And with the fonts as well, I mean, when we see different types of fonts, different sizes, why the sizes matter, the spacing between them, the impact that that creates, Mm. um, why certain font styles are chosen. and what that says about the company in itself. Um, so that like, I think you'd notice the difference between say what a creative individual uses for their, you know, uh, the fonts that they use for creative business compared to what you would see on a medical website, for example. Um, if you went to a medical website, you're more likely to see particular types of blue in terms of colors. Um, because they convey a sense of calm, yet also that science element comes into the blue colouring that's used. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as I say, most copywriters don't get involved with that at all. We, I spoke to a copywriter recently, and and their website was, well, it, it looked like Microsoft Word. You know, it was a photograph and some text, and and the text was wonderful, obviously. But it did not look like a professional business website, which, of course, does them a disservice because the image that they're portraying does not convey the skill that they have in terms of how they help people with the copy. So that image is important, isn't it? No matter what your industry, the image that you have is important. Otherwise, you, you're not going to build build a business. Absolutely. And, and, and I think for me as a copywriter, I still have that marketing element in me. So, and as a copywriter, the way I see it is if I'm not just somebody there to write words. If I'm putting words there, they've got to speak the story in every way. Um, and that's where, like, you know, I work with brands where I do their social media uh, graphics for them, conveying those colors and the images that should, you know, tell that story as well. Because if I'm just skimming social media and I'm not going to read the words, which likely happens, 
you still want to be able to tell the story through the images in the right way and convey that message and the emotions that you want to put across. Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think it all marries up. And like I said, when you're even working with web developers, I mean, copies, the foundation of the design um, and, you know, to bring that web developer's work to life as well and make mm. it an absolute gem um, so that it does the job that you want it to do. It's not just about the words because you can have a white page and put words on there, but it's not going to do what we want. Um, yeah. And you can't have, you know, uh, you, you can't be in the medical field and then have, you know, bright yellow and orange and pink and you know, <laughs> all of that. I'm not saying that, yeah, like I'm sure there's that it's there, but it's got to be in a particular tone. Um, mm. And um, that's how colours work as well in terms of they've got their, you know, seasons is what they work in. You've got your yeah. autumn, summer, winter, spring, and um, bring that in. It's that that that's that's really good to hear you say that as well. As I say, it's it's the marriage between the content and the meaning of the content, also the design that makes it work. One without the other is either going to look pretty and not do anything, or it's going to be meaningful but no one's going to read it because it doesn't look pretty in the first place. So it's about getting the the, the two important things together. So that's great. What um what does the future hold for you? What what are your your plans going forward? Uh, at the moment, I'm taking one day at a time. Um, I'm kind of at that point of growth, so I, yeah, I think I think it's I'll soon be taking the next step in that growth area. Um, and what what's but, that next? What's that next step? <laughs> um, I guess it's uh, it's uh, well, I, to be honest, maybe just hiring one more person to sort of help manage the workload initially um and then yeah i guess seeing what the vision board holds going forward um but um i don't want to lose the quality that i offer by going too big i think that's where a lot of businesses sort of lose um where they grow they they kind of lose the foundations of where they began um, problems with think, scaling i'd like to sort of grow but not too far where you lose the actual values that you offer mm. and, and that's why people come to you um i still like to keep that um i'm, I'm more quality over quantity kind of person mm. so. would, would this be your first hire or have you got people already uh it would be my first hire right yes i remember that <laughs> It is difficult because, yeah, you're you're essentially hiring somebody to take on the work that you do, and you want to make sure that they do it to the quality that you do it. And you're constantly going to be looking at what they do, thinking, "I would have done that differently. Don't do it like that. Do it like this." And then you just want to, you just want to take over. <laughs> well, if you've got any tips, I'm, I'm open to having those tips and advice. Any advice that you can impart, that would be great. <laughs> um, well, it you. you you might not necessarily, for example, need someone to do the content, the copywriting yourself. You might have someone to do the bits that you don't like. So you might have someone to do the facilitation of the meetings or do the briefing or uh, to do the invoicing or to do um, liaison with, with clients, client management, that kind of thing, so that you're just doing the copywriting. If that's the bit that you really love and want to do, you could do it that way. But if you were to take on a copywriter, because our first hire was an editor, mm -hmm. 
and the first hire we took because we had writers that we used because we used freelance writers and we were editing all the content ourselves the first person we hired to do the editing it didn't work because they were either going too quickly and not doing it right going really too slowly and not doing the volume second person we got was perfect and they were really good um but what was important is that we didn't then do more of what they were doing because if you hire someone to do the content the copywriting for example if you just continue doing copywriting yourself you're essentially just two people doing a job and then when they have a holiday you've got to do all their work and you don't want to have a holiday because then you're going to leave them completely swamped yeah, that's, so, that's true. So what's what's important is that if you get someone else doing copywriting, that you do other jobs to bring business in. So don't carry on doing all the copywriting yourself. You look to build the business so that you can then get a third copywriter. Yeah, that's the important absolutely. thing. That's great advice. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally, totally agree. And, it, and again, it comes down to, I guess, the whole trust factor as well. Uh, you yeah. know, I've been in a scenario before where, you know, I've written copy and then somebody else has gone and rewritten it to their liking and then <laughs> then it's come back to me for editing and then it goes back and then they just edit it how they want. And I'm like, why did I even, so what was the point of me writing this copy? Um, yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, that's the other thing as well. Like it, it's going to be um, loosening those reins and finding somebody who, and like you said, it might not be, it might just be for that ad, ad hoc work and, and other mm. stuff like time years on rather than the actual writing of it. Yeah. There, there could be as well. There could be somebody in the community with Kate Toon that you could work with. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's got a great, like, support community, um, you know, and, and co-writers, uh, and they're always available whenever you need them as well. So, yeah. So, very supportive group that we've got there. And they're always there to answer questions, um, even when it comes to just, you know, certain client queries or business-related issues and so on, how to deal with something. So, yeah, lucky lucky to be uh, part of that group. Mm. What what advice would you give to somebody who maybe is in marketing right now and thinking, I want to go out and I want to do this myself and follow your footsteps? Um, I think, well, number one, is it your passion or are you just looking for a way out? Um, you need to consider that first. Um, and number two, if it is your passion and it's a dream and you really want to do it, go for it. I'm not saying leave your day job like we did. <laughs> Obviously, that was circumstantial. Uh, but absolutely, go ahead, give it a go. Um, you know, I think life's too short. You've got to pursue your passions and you don't want to look back one day and go, I wish I'd done this. Um, you know, at least if you give it a go and nothing works out or you give it a go and you realize, actually, this isn't for me, then you know that you can always go back to your marketing career. Um, and or, or you might find that while you do pursue copyright, you might come across something else that you go, oh, OK, this is this is a passion. And, you know, your career trajectory could go in a completely different direction. Um, and so, yeah, um, don't hold yourself back. I think number one, first. Don't do it for the sake of getting out of somewhere. Mm. You need to, if it's your passion, just absolutely pursue it. Uh, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you'll, you'll know and you'll never look back going, what if? Mm. No, the, uh, I've heard that. The, 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 nobody ever lies on their deathbed regretting the things they've done. 
<laughs> they always regret the things they haven't done. Absolutely. And um, I think, you know, you do hear a lot of stories of, oh, I wish I'd done this, I wish I'd done that. Um, and um, I just, yeah, I, I think, look, I, th- I, I guess through experiences that I've had in life, um, I, whether you call it lucky or unlucky or whichever way, I've, I've learnt the fact that life is very short and, um, you know, you, you can't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow's not promised to anyone. So, mm. um, you know, I, th- I think my, yeah, I, I have a different perception of, of life because I have seen what the other side looks like. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, just you don't want to hold those regrets when you're no. on that last leg. No, no, no regrets. No regrets. Just go for it. <laughs> so as as as, as <laughs> I love that. Cause, yeah, you turned something very very sad and meaningful there into yeah. Just go for it. it became positive. I like it. <laughs> just, yeah, you you've got it. You just go for it. The worst thing that will happen is someone will slam the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which won't leave a physical scar, scar, but it will leave an emotional one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. As 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 a last question, as a last question, um, if somebody if somebody wants to work with you, uh, or get in touch with you, or or just have a chat, what's the best way for them to to reach out to you? Uh, just give me a call, or check out my website as best part of call, and all the contact details are on there. So email, phone call, uh, drop me a message, LinkedIn, drop me a DM on LinkedIn uh, if you want to start an instant conversation and get the ball rolling. Um, so yeah. And and the, the website is mysteryofwords.com. Mystery mystery is, is, is the website. Just just to clear that one up there. And it's M-I-S-T-O-I. It is, <laughs> yes, because yeah, of course that's your name. Do you get yeah. people asking if it's M-I-S-T-E-R-Y or, or do you have that domain name as well, just in case? I've got the domain name. It's all you M-I-S-T-O-I. Have. Yeah. Right, good, 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 good. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. That, that's been a, a pleasure speaking to you. It seems to have flown by for me really quickly. Um, I d- th- thank you for, for joining me on the, on the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> been a pleasure. Yeah.